Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast. We'd like to thank you for taking a few moments out of your day to listen to what God is doing here in Reynoldsburg, Ohio. We hope today's message will be encouraging and uplifting to you. To learn more about Simple Church, maybe you'd like to be our guest for a service, please visit our website at www.simplechurchohio.com. There you'll find more information about us, location, service times, and even online giving opportunities. And now, here's today's message. Out to you. Uh, So feel free to do that at any time today. We are in this series called The Daniel Dilemma, and uh, we are actually wrapping up this series, and uh, we're in week four of it. And essentially, uh, this whole series is based on a book by the same title from Pastor Chris Hodges. Uh, It's a fantastic book, and I recommend that you give it a read. It goes way deeper than I'm able to in in these four weeks that I have, but uh, I think it'll be a blessing to you. But essentially, the book uh, that that Pastor Chris wrote is actually based on the book of Daniel from your Bible, and uh, you'll find it in the Old Testament section of your Bible. If you didn't know, your Bible is divided into two sections, the Old Testament, and then Jesus shows up, and it's called the New Testament. And so um, they, uh, in the Old Testament, he's in this section called prophecy. He's surrounded by a whole bunch of prophets. But the book of Daniel has history, and it has prophecy in it. So, so basically what he faced in his life, and then God gave him some dreams and visions about what was to come, which would include his time and then our time. He talks about the end of days. And so uh, Pastor Chris Hodges goes over more of that in his book. We're not going to spend time there Um, But we are looking at essentially how Daniel was part of a group of people called the Israelites. They're from Israel. And Babylon came in and took over their people and exiled them, moved them to the land of Babylon. And Babylon was a pagan or godless culture. And this godless culture tried to make these God-fearing people bend and bow and acclimate, become like them. And so This was Daniel standing firm in the face of this culture. And it's interesting because when you look at Daniel's story, Daniel had the opportunity to gain influence. He was an influencer instead of somebody who succumbed to or or who bent or bowed to culture. And so I think the book of Daniel is a playbook for us because I think we are living in an increasingly godless culture. We've pushed God out of all sorts of places. We pushed him out of our schools. We're pushing him out of our government. We're doing our best to make sure God isn't to be found anywhere. And as a result of that, we're in a more pagan culture that is, that is asking us and even at times commanding and demanding that we bow to their desires. And as Christians, I think we're responding to this improperly. We're responding one of two ways. The first way that we respond is we respond with truth and with God's word. And we go, well, we're standing firm on this and we're right and you're wrong. And that's where we stand. And, and and, and there's nothing wrong with understanding God's truth, but, but, but we don't want to be people who, who are ineffective in reaching people for Jesus because we're beating people over the head with the truth. In fact, there's a name for us, and it's well known. It's called Bible thumpers, right? Have you ever heard that before or used that terminology? It's for people who use God's word to hit people over the head and say, well, you thinner, this is what it says, and you're not living right, and you all need Jesus. And, you know, it's just... It's just, it's not the right way to respond. The second way that we tend to respond is in the name of love, we water down God's word. In other words, we change it so that people feel comfortable coming to church. We don't, we don't tell them the truth anymore. We just tell them, it's fine, you can just live however you want to. You know, I mean, and we, they do that, churches do this in the, 
in the name of love. We just love love and you all are welcome. And that's true. While you are welcome, there's, there's this other part of it that, that is the truth. And they water down the truth and, and they do that in the name of love, believing that they can love better than God loves. But I'm going to tell you something. God doesn't just love you. God is love. And the most loving thing that God can do is say, hey, turn away from your, from your ways, turn away from your sin and do things my way because it's better. Like it's a call to repentance. It is better. And in doing so, allowing him to change your life. Like, like a loving God does that. So since there's a better way for us, I believe that as we walk through the book of Daniel, we need to allow it to be a playbook for us for how we stand firm and love well. All right? And so last week we looked at how to stand firm. This week we're going to talk about how to love well. And here's our first verse on the subject of love. This is Paul writing in the book of Galatians. And by the way, if you know where the book of Galatians is, it's a letter that Paul wrote to the church at Galatia. And up until this point, there's been a whole lot said. There's a whole lot of Bible uh, that, that has already been written, okay? And Paul's, Paul says, even though there's a whole bunch of Bible written, he says, hey, by the way, the only thing that counts is Sunday morning service. <laughs> no. All right, Kanye, no, it ain't just Sunday service. It's not, it's not, it, it, it's not your, your, the, the, the worship service that we do here. It isn't how many times you, you've, you've attended. It's not how many dollars you throw into the offering plate. It's not how good you've been this week or how many times you didn't cuss someone out. <laughs> it's, it's not about that. He said the only thing that counts, that should be important to us, he says, is faith. That's good. See, I'm right. It's my faith. Hold on. Don't stop reading. Is faith expressing itself through love? That's the only thing that counts, guys, is is how we express what we believe through love. It's not enough to be right. Nobody cares that you're right. In fact, they don't care what you know and what you believe until you express how much you care. They they just don't. And I think that, that... as a church, we tend to leave love out altogether, and we've missed the mark. In fact, if you're here today, whether you're a Christ follower or not, and you've been hurt by a church, someone inside the church or in leadership in the church, I, I just want to take a moment and tell you I'm sorry. O- on behalf of churches all around the world and on behalf of God and Jesus, I just want to say I'm sorry. I'm sorry that we hurt you. I'm certain that with some time and some perspective and maybe a conversation, you'll find that maybe they learned they were wrong. Maybe, maybe not. Well, whoever it is that hurt you, I'm sorry. And I pray that, that whoever it is, you, you, you'd find some peace and that you would forgive them. Because I believe that, that sometimes hurt is what holds us in a place. And I believe God has something better for you. And if you hold on to that hurt instead of letting it be, God heal it, through forgiveness and by his grace, that you'll get stuck in that place and it'll eat your life. It'll destroy your relationships around you. I've experienced it. None of that's in my notes. That was just free for you. I just wanted you to know that I love you. But we're going to tell you the truth here as a church, but we're, 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 I invite you to come, but we're not going to leave God's word out of it. We're going to share God's love and tell you the truth at the same time. And, but here's where we need to be, church. We can't be a church that antagonizes and influences at the same time. You, you actually can't do that. 
you're going to antagonize somebody, you lose your influence with them. In other words, you can't win your enemies to Christ. So don't have any. Oh, no, I didn't say people won't hate you. I just said that you don't hate others. Like, that don't, don't have any enemies because you, went, you cannot win culture if no one likes you. So how do we do this? How do we have influence and how do we love well without changing the truth? And if there's anybody in the Bible who did it better than Daniel, it's Jesus. Jesus never got in anybody's face about the truth except the religious leaders of the day, the modern day pastors. They're the only ones, and when he did... He said, a new command I give you, which it really wasn't a new command. Like there's the, the command to love God and to love people is here. But he says, love one another. And then he clarifies, as I have loved you. Oh, that's different. As I have loved you, you must love one another. Because the religious leaders of the day, the pastors, they had the law. And they were getting that right, except that they were adding more of a burden to the people. They were missing love. Jesus said by this, all men that will know that you are my disciples, if you get baptized, if you go to church, if you give 10% of your money to the church, if you finish growth track or on the dream team. No, that's not what he said. He said, if you love one another. So those other things are wonderful things, but they are not the defining characteristic of Christianity that Jesus chose. He wanted it simple and he wanted it clear that you will be known as my followers if you love one another. Now, I get it. Some of you have been going to church for a long time. You're like, Aaron, we understand that. Next. Like, like thanks, but next. Like, let, can't we go a little deeper than just that? And what, what I've come to learn over the years when people say they want to deeper on a Sunday morning is that, is that they want to leave church service just a little bit confused, right? <laughs> and, uh, and we don't do that here at Simple Church. We call it, we put the cookies on the lower shelf so that everybody can have some, right? Like, I want, I want everything simple here so that we can understand it. But if you want deep, here you go. You ready? Here's deep. Love deeply. <laughs> Love deeply. Well, what does that even look like? Well, how about... How about you love your enemies? Jesus said that, by the way. That's not even a Pastor Aaron suggestion. Love those who persecute you. Love those who hate you. Love jerks. That should be like a t-shirt thing, right? I love jerks. Like, you know, it's that, that you're willing to identify someone as a jerk and uh, also love them at the same time. It's grace and truth, right? <laughs> Don't do that. I'm just kidding. Don't, don't make that t-shirt. But, but you understand what I'm saying, like, like that there is this call to love, and, and we just skip it. We go, okay, we understand that, but do we live it? Do we, do we love the person who cut us off in, in traffic? Do we love our neighbor who's being obnoxious? I mean, you know the one. You've got a nicely manicured lawn, and they cut their grass and just blow all their clippings on yours. Uh-oh. Are you willing to love that person? Are you willing to love the person who's blaring their phone next to you when you're trying to have a nice dinner with your family at a restaurant? Like, are, are, you, are you willing to love those that inconvenience you and love those that are talking all through the movie at the theater? That one's tough for me. 
Are, are you all with me? It, 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 there's love. We're, we're called to love. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 14. He says, let love be your greatest aim. Your greatest aim. And he says this on the tail end of the greatest chapter on love. 1 Corinthians 13, if you've ever been to a wedding, they read the verses, uh, verses 4 through 8 because they say what love is. And he finishes chapter 13 talking all about love, and he gets to verse 1 of 14. And he said, which, by the way, he didn't write those in chapters and verses. We did that to make it easy to, to understand where to go. But he said, he said, love be your greatest aim. This is the most important thing. And so here's what I'm going to do. Since love is our greatest aim, I'm going to give you a few principles, and then I'm going to give you a few things you can apply today that you can start walking out with. The first thing we find is we look at 1 Corinthians 13, there's some conclusions we can make about love and about what our current behaviors is that without love, all I say is ineffective. Without love, all I say is ineffective. Like, it doesn't matter what you have to say. You say, well, but I'm right. Nobody cares. If you don't have love, if what you have to say isn't laced with and dripping with and built with and spoken with love, Nobody wants to hear what you have to say. No, no, nobody cares. Paul said this in verse 1 of chapter 13. All this is going to be a continuation of chapter 13. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, in other words, you speak eloquently or even, even, even the words that you say are nice, but, but he says, but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. Now I'd liken this resounding gong or a clanging cymbal to, to a child that receives a whistle at an event or a birthday party. Anybody ever come home with, and the kid's got a little goodie bag and inside is a whistle? Or them little clacker things? Clack, 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 clack. Paul says if you speak with love, that's what you are. You're obnoxious. It's just a sound. Clack, 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 clack. You don't know what I'm talking about. Come on. Trying to come down to your place where you live. Like, I mean... It's important. If you don't have love, we're, we're missing the mark. And, and the thing is, is we live in a culture that provides platforms all over the place for us to speak. There's news articles that get posted. You know what they've got on every news, news article that gets posted online? Comment section. There's even opportunity if you like, if you're like old school and you like the printed newspaper delivered to your door, there's a place in a section where you get to write in and an editorial will they'll respond to them. That's where it started. But now, now it's super easy. We can respond right there. Or how about this? How about just your social media accounts? YouTube videos. All, there's, there's comment sections everywhere. And I'm going to tell you what, a lot of comment sections that I see are cringeworthy. They are like, oh, did someone just go there? Did we stop talking about the thing that we're talking about and are now attacking each other? Like, it's, you almost want to grab a tub of popcorn and just watch it all play out. Like, are you kidding me right now? It's a terrible train wreck, and yet you can't stop looking at it. We're violent with our words, hateful in the way that we talk to each other. And I'm telling you what, I'm hoping that you all don't get caught up in that. My, my, I, I'm just, I'm asking you as your pastor to stay out of that mess. 
Stop with the comments that are aggressive. You can't understand it. Like, like uh, the, here's, the, here's the thing about text. Do you know what it lacks? Tonality. More than 70% of what gets communicated from person to person is tonality. I'm not talking about the words you said. I'm talking about how you said it. And when you type things in text, people can't hear your heart. And they can't understand what you're trying to maybe even say in love. Stop it. Pick up a phone and call someone. Have coffee with them. That's not even in my notes. That's not where we're going today. Good Lord. Get back on track, Pastor. Here we go. Paul says this. We'll speak the truth in love, growing in every way more like Christ. Go further down in that chapter in verse 4. It tells us how we should speak. It says, don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful. That's tough. So that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. So we need to commit to letting nothing come out of our mouths unless it is laced with love. Towards our family members, towards our spouses, towards our friends, towards our coworkers, towards the jerks, towards the strangers, towards those who hate you, disagree with you, and those that are politically minded differently than you. Maybe even somebody who doesn't like your skin color. We, we, we need to speak with love. Goes on, and without love, all I know is insignificant. You know, they say that knowledge is doubling every three years. Every three years, we have access to more and more, more and more information. And you can see this true. Like, I mean, you're not far from knowing anything. You just pull out the Google machine that's in your phone, and you can know anything right now. I went to a retreat this summer, and for a week long, they took my phone, and I didn't have access to a screen or anything. Now, some of you are feeling a little bit of anxiety just hearing that I did that. <laughs> no screens? No TVs? How'd you know what the weather was outside? Well, I just stepped outside and felt it. <laughs> how did you know how to feel that day? Where did you get your emotions from? Somebody didn't tell you how to behave and how to think and how to feel today. <laughs> it's a little extreme, but you know what I mean. And, and that whole week, the conversations were very, very different. It was, it was like, uh, you know, oh, who's that actor in that movie? Oh, yeah, we don't have our phones. Well, don't know. Just moved on with life. Oh, I want to show you this thing. Oh, yeah, that's right, I can't. You know, it's just, but, 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 but we, have, we have access to all this knowledge all the time in our pockets. As a grown adult, even as a doctor, a doctor can tell you a thing. Most of the time when people get to a doctor, they already have diagnosed themselves. They done doogie browsered it. You know what I'm saying? And they know exactly what their symptoms are. And exact, doctor, this is what I got. This is the medication you're going to go ahead and need to prescribe. Like they're telling a doctor. Why? Because information is available understand our world that we're in. But all, all that you know, doesn't matter. It's insignificant. Paul said, if I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and knowledge, without love, uh, you're nothing. Without love, all you believe is insufficient. All that you believe, you say, but I'm right. It doesn't matter. Without love, what you believe doesn't matter. Because without love, love is the great motivator behind the behaviors that follows what you believe. Without love, how you behave and what you believe just simply doesn't matter. 
attach love to it, it changes your behaviors, changes the expression of your faith. If I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I'm nothing. Without love, all I give is complete. Now, y'all are a very generous church, and I'm going to share with you some of what your generosity has done a little bit later, but, but, but the dollar amounts that you give just, just simply don't matter. Because here's why. If it's not done out of a loving heart, you, you can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. If it's not done without a loving heart, it's not done in the right way. Because oftentimes the way we give is because we're expecting to stand next to somebody with a big old check and say, look what I did. Look at the difference I'm making in kids' lives. Click. It's more of a pride thing than it is that it was done with love. Love doesn't need to be recognized in that way. The motivator behind it matters. Paul says, if I give all I possess to the poor and have not love, I'm nothing. Without love, all I accomplish is inadequate. Now, this is the one that might hurt some of you. Some of you are very, very uh, like competitive. You like to accomplish things. You like trophies. You like awards. You want to get stuff done. You like all the things next to your name. that you've, You like the long resume. This may even impact some of you guys that just like to, to check boxes off on a checklist. Where are my checklist people at? You like to get stuff done, and you like to do a to-do list. Yeah. You're, in, you're real intense, right? Like, you've got a list for your list. Like, I, I, you, your list has a list, and you want to check off, and it's got subcategories. Like, you're organized, and that feels good to you. But you know all that stuff you're accomplishing? If it's done without love, it, it doesn't mean anything. In fact... Here, here's, here's, there's a different measurement when, when we're talking about love and what God considers love. That when you get to heaven, we all die and the judgment day comes. There are actually two judgments that happen. The first one is the heaven or hell moment. It's the moment of, of the answer to the question and the judgment is simple. What did you do with Jesus? Was he Lord of your life? Did you love him? Did you follow him? Or not? It's a simple judgment moment. But once we enter into heaven, there's another judgment, and it's called the judgment seat of Christ, where he judges what we did. What did you do with the time, treasure, talent that I gave you? What, what did you do? And it, what matters in that moment is did you do something with eternal impact? Did you do something with an expression of your love? Did you do it all in loving service? And there are rewards that are attached to that judgment and that time. Paul says this, he said, if I give over my body to hardship that I may boast, it's all about me, it's all about me, but do not have love, I gain nothing. In other words, your life minus love equals nothing, it's zero. That's why this message is so important and why a lot of us, and including me on a regular basis, I've got to pray, God, you need to do a work in me. Because the way I'm getting ready to describe love to you, the way that Paul describes love to you is this, is this really deep love that is really hard to hear because it's like, wow, I'm, I'm not doing those things. That's really hard to do. God, I'm going to need your help. It's not easy to stand firm and love well. By the way, if you can find that verse in the Bible, I'd like to read it because i got a conversation I need to have with God. Hey, this thing says Christianity is supposed to be easy. It's not in there, by the way. It's not there. But God promises us that if we are willing to take those steps with him, walk with him, then he'll give us his strength. He'll give us his power in order to do it. Amen, everyone? So let's look at the, the love verses. These are, these are the, the, the challenge. This is where we're supposed to be. 
And I hate the first one. Paul says, 1 Corinthians 13, 4, love is patient. Ew. I don't like the patience one. Patience not just about waiting. Patience speaks to how we wait. Yuck. There's one thing I could cut out of the Bible. It would be this. <laughs> patience. Cut it. It's gone. It says, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Now, it's easy to read that, but it's not easy to live that. That's some tough stuff. That's some really tough stuff. And you, ask, you, can, you can ask the question, what would it look like if we actually lived these things out? Well, I can tell you what it would look like. It would look like Daniel's life. We can look at his life to find out because, see, he, he, you, you see him interacting with people and he's polite, he's respectful. You, you see him gain, getting opportunities to influence when he's called on to help. You see him doing this. You see Daniel behaving in a way that love is flowing through him. and People respected him and trusted him as a result. You say, how? All right, here we go. Daniel 6.1. It pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps. By the way, a satrap is like a mayor, okay? So they have 120 mayors that are overseeing parts of the kingdom and three administrators over them. So an administrator is kind of like a governor, all right? So Daniel is one of them. And Daniel would have had 40, 40 provinces or 40 cities underneath of him and 40 satraps that he was governing, and the, the satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. So they're there to make sure that the, that the kingdom's doing well, that their portion of the kingdom's doing well. <clears throat> it says, now Daniel so distinguished himself. In other words, Daniel took some steps. Daniel behaved in a way. Daniel acted in a way that was different from everyone else. He distinguished himself. Now I like that because if Daniel can distinguish himself, so can we. There are things that we can do. There are behaviors attached to how Daniel lived his life that, that, that we can do. And it says he distinguished himself among the administrators and satraps by his exceptional qualities. It didn't say by his good hair. It didn't say by how fancy his car was, how much money he had in the bank, how big his house was. It, it didn't say any of that. No, it said his exceptional qualities. Speaking of who he was, his behaviors, these are the things that distinguished him. So much so that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. And this is what upset the satraps and the other administrators. Because the king's like, hey, Daniel, why don't you go ahead and watch this whole thing for me? I'm just going to go take a long walk every day. I'm going to hang out in the hanging gardens of Babylon. I'm going to spend time with my many wives and my children. I'm just going to hang out. Bro, you, you got this. I'll check in from time to time, but you go ahead and administrate this whole thing. And as a, a result, the administrators and satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct, the way that he behaved. But they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. They said, 
Couldn't find anything. They said, finally, these men said, we'll never be able to find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel. He couldn't find anything. He was well behaved. And I think that we can do this. I think that we, we can choose certain behaviors. We can choose to live our lives different than the rest of the world. There's not a whole lot of things we get to control in life. We don't get to control the family we're born into. We don't get to control our height or our, you, you know, or, or we don't really even get to control our kids as much as we might try. We don't get to control people's responses and situations, though, though we try. There's not much in this life that we truly have control over, but we do have control over our choices. And we can choose to behave differently. We can choose that. So let me give you a few things that you can do that will distinguish you as you love well. The first one is serve them. To serve people. To serve the world. To, to get out there and just make a choice to do that. To figure out a way to serve them. We talk about it within, in, within the context of needs and hurts. Needs and hurts. If you see a need, meet it. If you find a hurt, you heal it. Right? Needs and hurts. You say, well, how, how am I supposed to find that out? Well, you, you can ask questions. <laughs> I'll get to that in a minute. But what if I'm, what you say, well, what, what if I'm the boss? What if I'm the person in charge? You know, I'm not a coworker. I'm kind of, I'm at the top of the food chain. Even better. You mean, you mean I would serve the people that work for me? Absolutely. Find a way to serve them. Find a way to love them. Find needs that they have and meet them. Find hurts that they have and heal them. We talk about it among our leadership. If you're, if you're in leadership, the be, do, have helps. Things people want to be, things they want to do, things they want to have, th things in, in areas and ways you can help. Like, like, like look, looking for opportunities and, and then serving those opportunities. Especially if you're in charge, especially if you're a dad, the head of the household, what an example you are setting as you serve. Serve your wife. Serve your kids. Paul said this, though I'm free and belong to no man. He was like, listen, ain't nobody my boss. I'm the one. I'm the boss. He said, though I make, I make myself a slave to everyone. Why, Paul? Why do you do that? To win as many people as possible. I, I serve them all. To win, to win as many people as possible. So, so we see Jesus. All throughout his life, this is what he does. He goes out, and it says he was doing good, so he was just meeting needs. He, he was mowing people's grasses and fixing their porches, maybe even building a few tables. He was a carpenter after all. He's doing good and healing people. This was his reputation. He went around and did these things so much so that there's, there, there, there was a reputation about him wherever he went. And Jesus, what he did was really important. The way that he served people doing these things required that he connect with people before he corrected them. Amen. And I think that's really important that you understand. If you're going to serve people, you've got to connect with them first. How else are you going to know where their hurts are? How else are you going to know where their needs are? Connect with them before you correct. Jesus did this really in a really solid way with a guy named Zach uh, or Zacchaeus. And if you grew up going to church and you went to Sunday school... You had an awesome childhood, and you know about Zacchaeus, because Zacchaeus was a wee little man. 
A wee little man was he. He wasn't tall, y'all. That's what they're saying. And, and he couldn't see Jesus through the crowd. There was a tree nearby, so he climbed up in that sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. He, he, wanted, he just wanted to look at Jesus. He wasn't trying to talk to him. He just wanted to see the man with a reputation who was healing people and doing good. Everybody in an uproar about him. And as the Savior passed that way, he looked up in that tree and he said, Zacchaeus, you're a sinner. <laughs> Tax collector, you dirty dog. You're a thief. No. Nah. He said, Zacchaeus, you come down for I'm going to your house today. I'm going to your house today. I don't care if y'all think I'm an idiot. I'm fine with that. <laughs> Je Jesus didn't call him out on his sin. He said, hey, Zach, let's go get lunch. Hey, let's go connect. And they did. And the result of that lunch, which we have no idea what the conversation is. Luke 19 doesn't tell us. But it, but it does say that he came out of that lunch, and the result of it was Zacchaeus, his life was changed. And he came out and said, if I've stolen from anybody, which he had, I'm going to give it back to him, but I'm going to give him even more than I took from him. Amen. Man, that's a powerful lunch. That's a great day, but Jesus took time to connect before he corrected. And you can do that with people. Invite them to lunch. You have an opportunity to do that today. Hey, let's go get lunch. I'm going to eat today. You don't have to go out to eat. Just invite them to eat whatever cooking you're eating. And invite them. Hey, come join me. Well, you're just going to tell me about my church, and you're just going to tell me, tell, tell me about your, you're going to tell me about Jesus. No, no, I just want to know your story. I, I just want to get to know you. Connect. Connect before you correct. And if you'll do that, if you'll meet needs and heal heart, hurts, you'll do it the way Jesus did it and the way Daniel did it too. Check it out. And the second thing you can do is you can set an example for them. This is about the way you live your life. Set an example. Be an example. Like, listen, I want you to come every Sunday. I want you to go through growth track and complete it. I want you to serve on the dream team, but I want that for you because I know what happens when you engage. I know what happens when you, when you, you commit to being here with us and commit to being part of what God has for your life here. Here's what I know what happens. I know that, that if I gave some of you a microphone that have been with us and have walked out this path, been on this journey, of knowing God, finding freedom, discovering your purpose, and joining us as we make a difference in other people's lives? I know what you're going to say. <coughs> That's not what you'll say. <coughs> you'll say, I'm not where I was. I'm different. My life's been changed. I'm not where I need to be, but I'm not the same person I was before. And I'm on this journey following Jesus, and he's just changing my life day by day. And here's what happens when you begin a journey of life transformation like that. When, when things begin to change within you, your behaviors begin to change. The way that you talk begins to change. People take notice of that. People take notice of that. Jesus said it this way. He said, your responsibility is to be the salt of the earth. You are it. What does salt do? What makes things taste good? You're supposed to make things better. 
in every environment that you step into. You say, my job is lame. The environment's not good. You want to make it better? You want to be salt? Take, 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 take a baker's dozen of some Jolly Pirate donuts to work with you tomorrow. Stop by Krispy Kreme when the hot light is on. Bless the Lord. Get you one on the way. Get it in your beard real nice and then show up with the rest of them. You know what I'm saying? That's never happened to me. <clears throat> he said, you're the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? I think, unfortunately, I think that's what's happened in, in a lot of our churches today. We, we, we've forgotten that we are the salt of the earth. We've forgotten that we're supposed to enter environments, make them better. That, that we can be an example, that we can be, li- we can be salt. And the next thing Jesus said, he said, if it loses its saltiness, he said, it's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. And then he tells you, you're the light of the world. So you're supposed to make things taste better. You're supposed to make things brighter. Better and brighter, that's you. Be the shining. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine. He didn't say let Pastor Aaron's light. He didn't say let the religious leader's light shine. He said let your light. He's talking to you. Let your light shine. You have a part in this. Let it shine before men that they may see your good deeds. These are your behaviors, the example that you're setting. And praise your Father in heaven. See, if you'll set an example for them, they'll want your God. The greatest influence we can have on our world is how we live our lives. It's not about being perfect. It's about being better. It's about being transformed. It's about being on that journey. We can serve people. We can be an example. And the last one here it is. We can share Christ with them. Say, how do I do that, Aaron? That one's the one that scares me. That's the difficult one. Well, you know, when you serve them, you can let them know your reason for serving them. That I do this on on behalf of God, because God loves you. Or, the Bible says, in the name of Jesus. That just means on his behalf. On on behalf of Jesus, I I serve you today. On behalf of Jesus, I, I... I'm, I'm on this mission trip, and I'm in Honduras hugging these kids' necks. Because God loves you, I'm here to serve at the Dream Center, serve you a meal, spend time fellowshipping with you, giving you one of the things that you need most, dignity, honor, relationship, acceptance. On behalf of God, let me pray with you. I know we just gathered food for you here at the Heart Food Pantry, but I'm loading you into your cart. Is there anything I can pray with you about? I believe God's power can flood your life and meet that need. These are things we do as a church. These are things we do. Peter said it this way, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. It means love him, man. Get a hold of him, love him. Always be prepared to give an answer in it to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Like, don't go after somebody's personal beliefs. Just tell them, tell them, I was this way, I met Jesus, and now I'm this way. That's it. You don't have to preach at them. You don't have to call nobody a sinner. Tell them about Jesus and the difference he makes. You know what I like about, about I, I know I've talked about Kanye a bit, but I'll continue to dive into this man's journey. The interviews that he's doing, he said, you know, I used to tell you what fashion did for me. I used to tell you what music did for me. I used to tell you 
all about what other things have done for me. He said, today, he said, my whole life's changed. I'm here to tell you what Jesus has done for me. And I'm like, man, he ain't preaching to nobody. Just telling him who he was. And we can all see who he's been. He's lived a very public life. Last 10, 15 years. And to say, I'm, he, he was asked about some of his old songs, the music he used to sing. He said, oh, I'll still do those numbers. He said, but I'm changing the words. You should listen to these, these interviews because something happens. I'm going to get back to my message. I only got a minute before you all check out, and I don't want to do that. I mean, we need to want to honor your time, but it's about what Jesus has done for you. That's all you need to tell people. Peter goes on to describe the way to where to do it. Do it with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience, so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ can be ashamed of their slander. St. Francis of Assisi said it this way, preach the gospel. He said, preach the gospel at all times, and if necessary, use words. I'm here to tell you that there's going to be a day that will be necessary for you to use words. People will see your light. They'll see your deeds, and they'll, they'll want to know. And you're going to need to tell them. You don't have to know every bit of the Bible and quote it to them. Jesus and the difference he's made in your life. It's that simple, guys. It's that simple. And if you want to su summarize loving well, making a difference in your culture, this is it. If you serve others and be an example, they'll see the difference in you and it'll communicate God's love to them in a powerful way that they'll want to know what's going on in your life. And you'll need to share and use those words. But what you need to remember is how I act is more important than what I say. How you act is more important than what you say. Now listen, as I, I'm going to close here right now. But I'm well aware that a message like this may leave you a little defeated because you're like, Aaron, I can't love the way Paul says. You're right, you can't. Welcome to the party. I'm there too. On your own, you can't. What you need to have done is receive God's love because what happens when you receive God's love is he gives you capacity, his capacity, to love others, to love them in the way that he describes in 1 Corinthians 13. You say, well, well, Aaron, how do I do that? You need to just understand the kind of love God has for you so that you can have it for others, those that are far from God and those that are following him alongside with you. Romans 5.8 says this, that God demonstrated his love for us. He didn't just tell it to us. He demonstrated his love for us. He sent his only son so that we could be in relationship with him. He sent him to die. Now I love you. Aaron, Pastor, I, I love you. But I wouldn't give up any of my kids and let them die so that you and I could be in relationship. But this is how much God loves you. That he sent his son to die for us. Pay the price for our sins so that we could be in relationship with him. And it says he did that while we were yet sinners. He didn't do that when you decided to clean up your act. He didn't do that when you decided, I'm gonna do things better. I'm gonna be a good person. This is while we were yet sinners. This is the kind of love that God demonstrated for you, for me. 
we, we were walking far away from him. And he said, I love you. He stretched out his arms and he laid on that cross. I mean, Jesus didn't say, hey, wait, 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 before you put the nails in, is anybody going to accept this message? Like, is all this in vain? He didn't ask that question. He did it. He, he paid the price. Without you even asking, without you even knowing. And when we receive that love from God, understanding the way that he chose to love us, we love people different. We gain his capacity to love them in the same way, unconditionally. It'll transform your life, I promise you. Let's pray. Father, today I pray that you will forgive us for not having a heart of love. And I just wonder, for those of us that are here, if we would just extend your hands in a kind of a posture of receiving right now. The Lord, we ask to receive the kind of love. I know we know that you've already given it, but our hearts help us to receive that love that you've given us, that unconditional love, to know that we are accepted no matter what we've done, to know that, that you don't just love us because it feels good or because of a condition. You are love. And that you loved us while we were walking away from you in our sins. You loved us. Help us to receive that right now, to go from head knowledge to heart knowledge. Give us a capacity to love others in the way that you called us to. To love well and stand firm. Help us to serve others, to be an example. And when we get opportunities, which I'm praying for every person in this room to have an opportunity to share Jesus, that, that we share it well, Jesus and the difference he's made in our hearts and our lives. Give us the power, give us the strength, give us the capacity. We ask you. Now, with every head bowed and every eye closed, there are those of you here that right now what you need to receive most is God's love. That, that maybe you've never been in a relationship with him before, or maybe, maybe you have. Maybe, maybe you were in a relationship and you walked far away. God's not mad at you. He loves you. He, he knows what you've been doing, and he, he's not mad. Won't you just embrace and receive the love that he has for you today? He's ready for you to turn to him. In his love, he forgives us. In his love, he gives us a brand new start. It's the best part of his day when he gets an opportunity to do that. Won't you, won't you take that opportunity today? And if that's you and you're ready to say, Jesus, I need you to be Lord of my life. I'm ready to live the way you tell me to live. I'm not gonna do it perfectly, but, but I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm gonna ask for your strength. I'm gonna ask for forgiveness when I need it. And I'm gonna follow you. If you're, if you're ready to do that, I'm going to pray a prayer in a moment, and if you want to be counted in on that prayer, would you just, would you just slip your hand up right now and say, Aaron, that's me. That's me. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Anybody else? Yeah, thank you. Appreciate that. Church, let's pray together. You can put your hands down. Let's all pray together. Say, Jesus, I need you. Forgive me of my sins and make me brand new. Today I give you my life and I ask that you give me yours. Help me love others the way that you have loved me. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.